Pelosi's Paul, bearer of bad brews. Today I'm going to be talking about a recent situation that if you take the time to fully think out and look at the intricate details of, well, you might just understand life in modern America. I'm, of course, referring to the recent DUI arrest of Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi. He was caught in Napa, California, driving under the influence last week during a special holiday weekend. Story's got a little bit of everything. If you've looked into it, money, drugs, age, loneliness, class, politics, and of course, where we begin today, cars. Paul Pelosi was found driving a 2021 Porsche. Nice car. Porsche? Porsche? I don't know. Car was, of course, hit by a 2014 Jeep. Priceless, really. Um, Jeep, actually, one of the most American-made cars you can buy, despite, in all fairness, being owned by a European car manufacturer. Porsche, of course, a German super sports car. It's, uh, it's a tough one. You know, uh, the car is the second biggest purchase someone could make, meaning uh, it's the second biggest thing you can buy to support, I don't know, the domestic economy. This is, of course, compounded by the fact that there has been a chip shortage and cars have been very hard to come by the last couple of years. But hey, no problem. Getting one imported from Europe for Mr. Pelosi. You know, this is a real missed opportunity for the Democrats, though, when you think about it, when you think about how people are going to look at this story, think about this story. I mean, if, if Paul was driving Chevy Silverado, you know, maybe if he was, uh, if he was sauced in an F-150, I think, I think he could have garnered a lot of sympathy from people who were probably uh, tried and true Republican voters. You know, people maybe that found themselves in similar situations in their backgrounds. But no, he had to be driving an out-of-reach car in an out-of-reach place. Speaking of the midterms, big reminder as to the power that older individuals still have in this country. Mr. Pelosi himself is a great reminder of that. 82 years old. He was driving drunk at 82 years old. The person that got into the collision with him was 48 years old. Some of my more cruel viewers might instantly think that I'm about to say that old people can't and should not drive. And that's not true. Is it, of course, not true at all. Old people can drive. I know that for a fact. They sometimes struggle to see, hear, and remember things correctly. But driving is, is totally on the table. That's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with older individuals driving. Uh, I think the discernment in driving while inebriated is a problem your later years in life when you, when you assume that someone would have enough time to garner the wisdom to know not to drive drunk but an 82 year old getting in a, a crash with a 48 year old it is kind of a, a proxy for a lot of the power dynamics going on in this country baby boomer crashing into a gen xer um all the millennials gen c sits on the sidelines and just watches the chaos happen now actually my grandfather you know he got into uh he hurt himself when he was in his 80s. He, um, he fell when he was trying to stop a shopping cart from going into traffic, and he shattered his shoulder. And he drove for like another 10 years with basically one arm, with uh, the power of his the healthy side of his body. And uh, I think about that. Like, I want him to still be able to drive, right? I think he was actually an excellent driver. And even uh, it's aged quite well over time. Like, I would trust my grandfather driving with one arm compared to the current younger selection of people we have driving now who are TikToking half the time, uh, trying to text their fentanyl dealer about whether or not they can stop for a score the other half of the time. You know, making sure they hit him up uh, early enough in the day before he nods off. Now, 
speaking of fentanyl, Paul was not on fentanyl, but he was on the most common drug in America, which is alcohol. Take a moment. Judge how you feel when I called alcohol a drug. Okay, this is, like most things I say, kind of a personality test. Does it feel upsetting? Do you feel attacked if I'm, uh, if I'm saying that alcohol is a drug? It is, of course, a drug. Uh, drugs and alcohol, the delineation in nomenclature is probably the best marketing gimmick this country has ever seen. Maybe only surpassed recently, last 20 years, by Republicans changing the name of the estate tax to the death tax. Something that ends up being exactly the same, having the same effect, but just feels different. Alcohol is a drug, okay? It's something you consume. It changes the way you feel, changes the way you look. Uh, and I know people are desperate to defend the fact that this is not true because you hate drinking water so much. I know it's horrifying. Um, you know, who wants to nourish dehydrated skin and brain cells when you can temporarily fill the god hole with a little white zin? Crack PBR, get some suds on that lonely fire burning inside your belly, you know. Um, sip Jack, Jack it, it works. It does not work. I'm, of course, joking. Uh, alcohol is the most boring drug in the world. Extremely boring. You put it down, you stop thinking about stuff so much. You know, this is the information age, obviously. You can't keep everything on your mind all at once. Uh, brain is the most powerful supercomputer many of us own iPhones included. And sometimes you want to go on low power mode, uh, specifically between the eight hours of 8 and 12 a.m. Some people at 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or whenever they happen to pass out for the day. And I get it. There's a lot to think about, right? Like the, the bombings that are occurring in Yemen, uh, currency devaluation, maybe in Venezuela, maybe um, why Russian rubles are required for Germans to purchase their energy, their natural gas, which uh, tying back to the car point earlier is, is upsetting. Paul Pelosi's getting his car made in Germany and Germany's getting its energy made in Russia and Russia's getting paid in rubles. Then Paul's rubles are going to Russia. I don't know. That's kind of a leap, but you know, it's just a big connected complex adaptive system is what I'm trying to say. Let's get back to the, the boozing and how it lowers your IQ. Um, get you fat. Makes you fat, gets you, gets you nice and slow. And, uh, you know, I'm all about action. I want people to be out there tearing it up, moving around, not being weighed down, uh, of course, by the guilt, you know, due to the fact that they're slowly poisoning them and their families. But, uh, you know, you're just not able to move as fast. You know, it, it, it really, it really, it brings you down a level or two. Think about it like this. Would you let, rather watch a, a drunken NBA or a cocaine NBA? I think it's pretty obvious, just face value, thinking about the sluggish nature of players um, unable to even catch a ball, let alone put up a, a dunk or a three-pointer, versus um, players who somehow probably find a way to score four-pointers in the case of the cocaine NBA. I mean, even the, the way you do it, right? They already drink Gatorade, so you can kind of get how that goes. But uh, with the nose candy, I mean, instead of like scribbling on the whiteboard all the plays, they, can be, they could be doing lines on a little 8x10 mirror, right? You forget what you've done. You forget what you said. You drink, you say, you had the same conversations over and over and over again. I'm trying to slow down. At this point, maybe you've had a drink in the podcast. Maybe I need to take it easy. Maybe I need a drink. Maybe I need to relax a little bit. Okay, I'm going hard on America's favorite drug. And this is a podcast made in America. It's just one of those flavors I think that doesn't need to be in every recipe. Okay. 
Uh, especially you end up drinking around the same people, you end up having the same conversations over and over. And honestly, again, all about some new action, taking us to a new place, figuring new things out. Sick that you can't remember anything and you're kind of doomed to live in the same thing over and over again. Like, uh, I don't know, some sort of uh, alcoholic Truman show. At this point, I'm done with the who and the what. Maybe good to talk about the where, when, and the why as to how this DUI occurred. Pelosi's accident occurred in Napa, California. la di da Napa, of course, is the fourth richest city in America. Napa, California. And of course, even thinking about California, which if you look at their $3.35 trillion economy, would be the fifth largest country in the world. That's right. If you just look at California's wealth and view it on a worldwide scale, it would have more wealth on a yearly basis, would produce more than India. Kind of ridiculous. But back to Napa Wine Valley, I mean... Pelosi was given a $5,000 bail, which in those parts is, is a pretty crappy bottle of red. I mean, you have to think about the relative nature of fines and fees. I could get a $200 ticket on my car for not having a city sticker in the city of Chicago when uh, five Gs is what it takes to drunk drive in Napa, two misdemeanors, still get out the next day. Anytime you get caught driving drunk, not a good thing. Uh, but there's something about the age in which this occurred that I cannot shake. It's it's really disturbing to me. I mean, it's disappointing when you get caught drunk driving in your 60s. In your 70s, it's ridiculous. In your 80s, maybe it should be financially criminal. I think there's something about finances that would have a bigger incentive than what we have now. I mean, you've had over 80 years to save, invest, and accumulate funds. This is for Ubers. Uh, this is for a driver. Maybe they could take you where you need to go. Maybe, I don't know, a close family member or anyone that cared about you to give you a ride. Maybe that would be better for driving you around than your frail, booze-riddled body. Now, the lack in wisdom and judgment, again, breathtaking. Finances, though, are mind-boggling. Paul owns a venture capital firm named Financial Leasing Services. Anytime I hear venture capital, it's hard not to venture that that capital could probably be better used somewhere else. A majority of the Pelosi's wealth is tied up in financial leasing services. And a recent wealth disclosure has estimated that the Pelosi's are worth between 43 and $202 million. A recent disclosure by a man on a date with a woman has signified that his penis is between 4 and 20 inches long. Not enough information. Just not specific enough. I don't want to just complain about these rich people uh, drunk driving without offering a solution. And that's why I'm saying that moving forward, I believe anyone over the age of 80 years old who gets caught drunk driving should have to pay either 10% of their net worth or $10,000, whichever is greater. It's the only way we're going to get a hand on this epidemic. It's unfair for an 80-year-old to risk some tiny amount of life they have left when they could be hitting someone who still has 80 years to live. So I think we have to go with the pocketbooks or this is never going to fly. Just common sense. 
Assuming $120 million net worth for Paul Pelosi, that would be $12 million as a fine for his recent Napa joyride. Sounds like a lot, but back in 2009, Paul Pelosi actually purchased a team in the United States Football League. It's not the National Football League. It's called the United States Football League. Buying the California Redwoods for that exact sum, $12 million. Funny detail, the Redwoods were actually later named the Sacramento Mountain Lions. So if Paul Pelosi had enough money to buy a football team and willingly change their name to the Lions, knowing what he knows about the history of football teams named the Lions, then I think we can put up a little insurance money to ensure that this drunk driving does not happen again. It is, of course, also important to mention that this DUI happened during Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day is a day in which those who died in active military service are remembered. Unfortunately, in our contemporary culture, in our modern setting, it's a time when people can't even remember what they did at their second barbecue of the weekend because so many of their brain cells have died due to their binge drinking. It seems obvious to me that we could use some better holidays. We need to reshape our culture a little bit. And it's understandable to think about how we've got here, right? I mean, some people my age haven't had a big enough house place so that they could maybe learn how to grill. Other people my age are trying to be conscious of their meat consumption. They don't eat grilled meats. But it doesn't mean that everyone should resort to just focusing on how to twist a cap off of a bottle. Actually, what I'm saying is ridiculous. I mean, microbreweries have trained us to drink $2 beers out of cans. So I think people don't even know how to open bottles anymore. It's going to be tough to fully lose the booze. I get that. Okay, but can we at least eat a little bit alongside the mayhem? Would it kill you to put a hot dog and a couple Doritos down your IPA poison throat? The 4th of July is right around the corner, and we do not have to make this mistake again. I think the final thing I haven't answered here is why. Why did this happen? How could this happen? How could Paul Pelosi, a man with seemingly a lot of money, at least a strong adjacency to power, how could he possibly get caught drunk driving around like every other person who has nothing to live for in this country? And I think... Uh, I think there's a few reasons for that. One is, of course, loneliness. Everyone seems to be suffering from a bout of loneliness after corona. Before corona. COVID? Corona? Porsche? Porsche? And I think it's something that I shouldn't be so harsh on. I think people turn to the bottle because they're trying to use it as a salve for the lack of connection that they feel. People are no longer as religious as often. Even in people's careers, they don't maybe work so many hours at one job where they get fulfillment. They have to work multiple jobs or in a gig economy. Maybe they're totally disconnected from work. Maybe Paul Pelosi is a little bit disconnected from work. I've been seeing countless articles now talking about him and Nancy Pelosi's stock trading activity and how unfair it is. There's all these jokes. Oh, Pelosi Capital, follow Nancy Pelosi's trades and you'll make a bunch of money. Very recently, she bought believe call options in Microsoft and Google. Uh, and you know what? 
lately, if you look deep, you can see that the stock trades are actually with Paul's firm, but Nancy Pelosi's always the one in the photo. In a way, Nancy Pelosi's the one getting credit for his financial leasing services. I'm not saying this isn't fair. This is obvious. This makes sense. She would be the one, in theory, to provide us some benefit in the form of insider trading, in theory. But um, maybe not. And, you know, maybe it is frustrating to see your work get diminished, to be to be credited to someone else. And maybe it's not just the unemployed incels across America that are struggling with purposelessness. It's Maybe it's Paul Pelosi. Maybe it's just the comfort culture. You know, maybe it's just the modern age and how we don't have any hills we're trying to climb up. We just keep finding deeper valleys we want to roll down. It's hard to say. Like most things, it's probably a complex combination of all of these things. Along with something else that happened in Pelosi's childhood that we don't know about. Maybe something we do know about but have forgotten about. Maybe something that we could find out about but wouldn't matter to us because we don't have the same emotional connection as him. I really hope no one out there is a filthy drug addict and by that I mean a boozer. It's horrible thing to watch someone go through wreaks havoc on the body as i said it makes you dumb makes you numb and then more likely than not you're gonna spend most of your time on your bum hope to see you out there tearing things up take care of yourselves talk to you soon